here we are for number five on this navigate journey and we're building on where we've come from but we're also treating this today as a standalone because each of these is a piece of the journey but it's also looking at the whole journey and i think what we're talking about today is so critical for the world we live in right now uh, and what it's like to be in a place where we're checking out and checking in with ourselves and our circumstances and the craziness of it all and you know, it, it may be somewhat distant in your memory uh, as our lives are so different now, but we're going to be back into these kinds of experiences like when you're driving somewhere and you get where you wanted to be, but you don't really remember like all the turns. It's like you went on this automatic pilot. You kicked into this mode where you could complete the motions, you could complete the actions. Uh, but you were almost, as a way of saying it, outside of yourself while you were doing it. You know what it's like when you've been in a conversation before and you've been in uh, maybe some kind of involved conversation and then all of a sudden your mind left that place and you feel bad because you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't hear what they just said. Um, maybe you'll do something as a choice or a behavior and you'll say, I really wasn't myself when I did that. Uh, maybe in a conversation with somebody, they catch that you've zoomed out and they say, hey, hey, are you here with me now? Are you listening? And we could just acknowledge from our own experience, anecdotally, that at different levels, we've experienced checking out, like not being there, not being present. Well, on one extreme, we have checking out. On the other extreme, we have checking in. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I remember I was walking into uh, the area where the kids do school and my youngest, who's 14 now, had her hair up and she's just working away there. And I looked at her and I thought, man, she, she looks so much older. And in a, in a fresh way, I feel like I saw her for the first time. So that was the opposite of checking out. It's a fully checked in space. And actually, I love actively cultivating that. What it's like to experience a taste or, or the sight of someone I love, or an experience for the first time, that I'm not just going through any kind of motions or, or phoning it in. So we've got these extremes, checking out and checking in. We've also got substances, dreams that bring different moods to us. You could have a bad dream and wake up kind of weirded out. I happened to have like four or five dreams last night that I slept through our time today. Uh, you could be really just cranking on your morning to-dos. You're in a place of focus and you're feeling that flow and then something bad happens and throws it off and it's hard for you to get that back. Or, or the opposite, you get a clunky start but then you get into that groove. It's just acknowledging that we have a spectrum of experiences when it comes to understanding what our uh, perception of reality is, what it means for us to go through uh, what we experience in the day-to-day -day reality of our life. Um, when you see this happening in popular culture, you hear this language called triggered. I don't know if any of you have ever heard that term before where you're seeing the trigger warning. You're seeing it more and more in places. If I start to get a little uptight, uh, my, parent, my kids will say, Dad, why are you getting triggered? Um, so what's going on? How do we change consciousness? How do we go from being checked in to checked out? How do we get triggered? What is all this about? You see it even in a further example in our society with PTSD. I was walking with a friend of mine who was in Iraq when Saddam gassed certain areas of that country. 
and we were walking down a sidewalk and he smelled a chemical from the fertilizer and that chemical took him back to being in Iraq in those villages that got gassed. So he's a grown man, but his body feels like he's younger. That's why you can go under some kind of pressurized moment where you're feeling a lot of intense, uh, maybe, you know, shaming a boss or a teammate or somebody you work with could bring a lot of heat and thunder to you. And all of a sudden you don't feel like a, a grown person. Your body feels, and you're not necessarily aware of this, that you're seven years old experiencing all this and feeling all of these shameful messages about yourself. I mean, this is what PTSD is about. Uh, a military friend of mine who would, when a helicopter would fly over, is he here or is he in Afghanistan? So we've got positive and negative examples of this. We've got getting triggered, but a lot of it sounds like we're helpless and it's just going to be a, a whimsical thing. Is it good that I'm fully checked in? Is it bad that I'm checked out? Am I getting triggered? PTSD? What's going on? Well, here's the cool part. It's not just something that we have to be helpless in, and it's not just something negative. It's actually something that's been used throughout human history to transform, elevate, and develop human consciousness. And the word that's been used for a lot of human history, uh, we would use the term ritual. Now, if you told me that I would be doing a session with a group of people on the concept of ritual 10 years ago, I would have said, you're crazy. There's no way. Uh, that word to me uh, over a decade ago meant some, something stodgy. It meant something lacking life. It meant something that was stuck. But yet we are surrounded by ritual. When a, when a politician signs a bill and everybody gets around them and they get the big pen, it's a ritual. When whatever religion your experience may have taken you through, if you were to look at that religion through the lens of ritual, you would see things that they did to trigger certain states of consciousness. Why did I, when I came in my office this morning, did I light my evergreen candle for the scent uh, of, of what that smells like to just create a space around me to get me uh, fully activated and ready to go for whatever was going to be ahead of me that day. Over and over again, whether it's positive or negative, we are ritualizing our lives. And as we build on the progression of the journey that we've taken, I wanna walk you back through all the actions. We said first we're recognizing that as we're in the car, there's a windshield and we're more than our thoughts and feelings. So we're the driver and we're looking at the thoughts and feelings that we experience but we are more than those thoughts and feelings. And then we said we construct an antenna so that we could start to notice the proving and hiding. It gives us awareness of when we get too wrapped up in our thoughts and our feelings and we lose ourselves. And then we said, next we pay attention to the daydream. The daydream helps us be aware of what's happening in us, the desires, where we might be led. And last week we said, we follow the daydream to these moments of inspiration where we take turns. We, we, we take an action on what's in us. What do we do on our journey of changing ourselves to reinforce all the insight and all the ground that we've taken up to this point to embody the shifts in consciousness from the action that we talked about taking last month? It's this. We pull over. We stop at that vista, that overlook. We look back at what we've been through and we take a picture. You can just think it Think of today's action that we're taking as simple as taking a picture. This is how we ritualize the change. This is how we embody it. This is how 
Ritual isn't just something that's negative and leaves us helpless, like PTSD or getting triggered, and those are real struggles, but we turn it to the positive to embody the shifts, the elevation of our consciousness as we look back at what we've been through and what we've changed and what we've experienced, and we take a picture. Let me give you some simple ideas for what it looks like, just some examples of building ritual into your life with this idea of taking a picture. One of this one's going to be huge for a number of you. I worked with this guy who had a lot of sales responsibility, VP of sales. He carried, I think, like 75% of the responsibility for his organization. I think it was around $20, $25 million. He worked from home uh, and uh, he had his office like in, the, in a garage area. And then he would walk through and be in his house. And he would quit and walk through in his house. And he had the hardest time dragging all of his work into his family life. Now, I know none of you right now struggle with taking everything that you're feeling from the struggles, stresses, and worries of the day right into your family life as you work from home. But this was his struggle. So we developed a ritual for him. At the end of the day, he developed a YouTube comedy playlist of favorite clips, and then he would click play on a clip, give him give his full attention to it, as he watched it, totally relaxing, starting to laugh, enjoying himself. And, and it was a way for him to ritualize, I'm leaving everything behind, and now I'm stepping into that other world without dragging everything in there with me. It was a powerful way for him to shift. I used to do this when I would drive home. I would put the car in park, and I had a ritual that I would go through, and I would run through three meditations. I'm not defined by how much I did or didn't get done today, but who I'm becoming because of my choices. And I would leave all the to-do list and all the things that were undone behind me. I'm gonna go in there and serve them with all that I have. That was a way of activating myself. Hey, family life isn't you know, just a part of it, it's the fourth quarter. The game is won or lost in the fourth quarter. And so this was for me a way that I made meaning out of that. And then a third meditation, I'm gonna go in there and drain the life out of them. And that was just a fun way I flipped the way parents would talk about young kids and go, man, they're just draining the life out of them. Uh, second ritual that has been helpful for me. Um, at the end of the day, when I used to do, when I would come home and I was doing intermittent fasting, which I call it intermittent feasting. I just eat a big dinner like a pagan Viking, whatever I want. But the way that I would transition into cooking with my wife and hanging out, I'd have a couple of olives and a little bourbon. And it was a way of ritualizing the shift. A second, a third example I wanna give you, uh, journaling. But here's how this works, and this is where it gets really powerful. You capture the insight, you review it, and then you use the skill that I taught you last month, you imagine it. So here's what that would play out like. Maybe you go back through and listen to these navigate messages, or maybe you get a really great insight about yourself and something you want to change or a vision you want to bring to bear. Capture that, write it down. That's a powerful ritual. It's been used throughout human history for thousands of years uh, as writing developed, but capture that, write it down. Then the next morning, review it. As you review it, close your eyes and just start to let your imagination lead you around that shift in consciousness. I can't overstate to you how powerful imagination is um, in ritualizing shifts in consciousness. 
embodying change. Most people do not go through dramatic upgrading of their mindsets. But I can tell you, it is infinitely possible. I, I don't know that we've reached any edge to the human potential for change. And, and weirdly, I'm obsessed with how much a human can change. But yet, I will tell you, most humans don't change. Most humans stay the same. They're not getting new insights, and then they're not integrating those insights through a journaling, a reviewing, and using their imagination. A last example I'll give you, and this has been really powerful for just a lot of different societies. They'll take something as a ritual and release it. So right now, if you have a fear or something you're struggling with or really suffocating under, uh, it's, it's something harmful to you, it's an idea that you wish you could stop thinking, it's a loop that you find yourself circling around on, take that and express it into something. Maybe you write it onto a stick, a fear or a lie that you have from any of our earlier sessions and what we've talked about. Or maybe it's um, something that you wish were desperately different that's bringing you a lot of pain. Write that out in a letter and burn it, not inside your house. Uh, write it on a stick and break it. All of these have been used throughout human history as a way to embody change. That's the power of ritual. And most humans are not using the internal technology they have within them to continually upgrade, to ritualize. Now, I want to give you three simple actions just how to take this as far as you can to reinforce these shifts. As you're the person who pulls over and you look back over our journey that we've been through these other four sessions, as you look back over what you've been through these last few months, even maybe last few years, whatever the, the time epochs of your life look like, you pull over to that vista and you look back at where you've come from. Number one, train to see. Train to see. Most people are missing the moments that they need to ritualize or memorialize. Now, I specifically and intentionally used a lot of small examples, like transitioning from work to home when you work from home, pulling up in the driveway, ending the day, journaling something. I use those because if you get it in the small moments, you'll get it in the big moments. But it takes so much bravery and courage to see moments where you are afraid, the things that keep you up at night, the things you struggle with, the things that keep your mental loops going. It takes so much courage to, to train yourself to see what could be and should be different about my life in this reality. I wanna, I wanna see it. So train yourself to see, and after you do that, and this is the fun part, you'll actually gain insights through glee. You train yourself to see, you gain through glee. The more that you work on ritualizing yourself, the more you create momentum of change, the more through joy and play and expansion and discovery, you start realizing that the human potential for change is like an endlessly explorable playground and none of us have found the edge. I can't think of a more important lesson right now uh, as society struggles so much with conspiracy theories and fear and being overwhelmed. We face real struggles. We face real crises in our lives, in our businesses, in health, in systems. But we are not going to move forward through fear. Yes, we've got to be appropriately aware. A tornado coming at the house. I got to move. I got to make changes. But what we get to do is see ourselves in a fresh way see who we are, see the potential and see the vision and move forward anyway. And if we train ourselves to see this moment as it actually is, 
and we learn to move forward out of joy more than fear we gain through glee. Third, we abstain for mastery. We abstain for mastery. See, the beautiful part about pulling over at the Vista and taking a picture, you're, you're training yourself to see the moment. And you gain this perspective and this insight through glee. You keep practicing. You take better and better pictures. The more you make rituals, the better you get at making them. And then as you look over this Vista, you gain through glee. You start to find, you know what? Advancing my life in a beautiful way, mastery, isn't just about adding more. It's about the cutting away. I abstain for achieving mastery. I abstain for mastery. It's the Michelangelo quote about the David sculpture. I just cut away what needed to be removed. At a pro level, you're advancing through joy. At a mastery level, you're cutting away for zeroing in and focusing. Those of us who go as far as we can in our potential for change are those of us who understand how to see what's going on, moving forward out of joy, and then we start removing to be the fullest expression of who we can be. This is the power of ritual. Now, right now, for some of you, this word, I know it can bring up a lot, and I just want to emphasize, we need science to keep us from being superstitious in our ritual. We need religion to give us community in our ritual. And I don't care what your religion is. It could be playing Dungeons and Dragons every Tuesday at 7 p.m. with your friends. When we understand how we change and grow, we see that we also need spirituality. And all spirituality is, is to experience meaning behind the ritual. I'm affirming something that's been said throughout human history by some very wise voices. You have all the permission you need to make your own rituals, to not be superstitious, be scientific, to not lose the power of religion, build community around your rituals, and to not lose spirituality, the meaning behind the rituals. You get to make your path. You get to lead yourself. That's what Navigate's all about. So thank you for being here today. Let's explore this week or this month where are there vistas that we need to pull over, memorialize, and build a ritual.